0: If you've been tracking with us, um, or if you're new here today and the first time, we've been looking at faith, hope, and love, and the greatest being love. And a couple of weeks back, I talked about the woman from Matthew 15, who Jesus said had great faith. So he acknowledged this woman that had great faith. She turned up with great faith. And as we've been looking at, faith is the ability to see into the unseen, but it's seen through the lens of the Spirit. So God gives us his Holy Spirit to be able to see things that are in an unseen realm called the kingdom of God on earth, and then we can actually draw from what we can see. So it's like a food source that we draw from, partake of, and then live from. And there was all these obstacles in this woman's way to get what she was looking for, which is she wanted Jesus to heal her daughter. She's got this physical reality. She's a female coming to the presence of um, men. Uh, she's uh, an presence of, of Jewish men. Um, Jesus didn't even really want to be known that he was even there, and so he's trying to avoid her. The disciples tell her to get lost. You know, a lot of love, so they say, hey, "On your bike, you're, you're making too much noise." But she has this tenacity in her that she's not letting go of something because of what she can see. She has great sight, and we talked about we confuse trust and faith. Trust comes from knowing God faith comes from hearing God they are different things ultimately in God it's the position of one but we have to be able to see them as two separate things and then they go back together otherwise we think they're the same thing he said you have little faith the cool thing he says you only have to have faith the size of a mustard seed to say something move So how big do you want your faith to be? How enlarged do you want to see? Do you want to see macro? Because that's what God would have us see. He wants us to see the macro plan. He has a macro plan for his church. Did you know that? And he longs to share it with you. He longs to reveal his innermost secrets, his purposes, his plans for you and I because we are his children and ultimately it's as a body but a body is made up of individuals so as individuals seek the father for his plans and he starts to reveal to us as individuals and as a body we come as a whole that's what you just heard everyone brings a part and you have a greater whole so if Daniel and I and because Costellos here turned up with a pizza, and we had a pizza each to feed everyone. Unless Jesus does a miracle and multiplies pizza, <laughs> he can do that. You're all going to starve unless we decide to give our pizza away, which means we're going to starve. Because there was only two pizzas for about 150, 175 people. But what if every one of you bring a piece? Now we have enough and much more left over that we could all take some pizza home. But what, for the purpose of the miracle? No, to lead us to him. He fed the 5,000 to ultimately lead them to himself, to say, I am the bread of life. And if you eat of me, you have sight. And if you eat of me and you drink of me, you will have great sight. Lady, you have great sight because you know a promise that was given to Abraham. And you know you're part of that promise for all the children of God are of the spirit, not the law. Cool? Cool. All right, I want to take us to John 4. And I want to have a look at another woman who is a Gentile woman who Jesus meets at a well. And this lady is almost the opposite of the Matthew 15 lady. She can't see. So remember, Matthew 15 lady, amazing, great sight doesn't let the physical elements that she's confronted with get in her way, and she steps into, exactly what I was asking you to do, step into something that she knows. She's not trusting, she knows. She has a conviction. She has faith. Faith is having a confidence. When you don't have faith, you need to trust, and then you gain confidence faith and it's a continuous process so here's this woman and Jesus let's pick it up in John 4 verse 7 and I'm just going to bring some comparisons for the purpose of showing us what's available to us okay so I hope you hear the heart of the father I hope you hear what the father wants to do in and through us as a people and through you as an individual verse 7 there came a woman of from Samaria to draw water Jesus said to her give me a drink what do you notice about this compared to the other woman of Matthew 15 if you've been tracking with us what's the difference in the approach of the two women and what's the approach of Christ he approached her he's always approaching you and I he has come and he didn't leave. Even when it got really bad and they killed him, he sent another. He sent his other. He sent his co partner to complete the commission. <laughs> Do you have an another or another's that you're walking with so you two can come and see? Jesus sees this woman's blindness. He sees our blindness. He says, that's okay. Because I'm the one that's come to bring sight. You know what was funny yesterday is um, the guys at the camp, at the, uh, at the end there, they prophesied over me. And and um, I have this oil in my bag, which apparently is very anointed oil because it comes from Israel. But, um, <laughs> cool. And uh, it got poured out over my whole head. And oil is just running over my face it smells gorgeous and it had to close my eyes it was running into my eyes and it was an incredible moment and I want to thank you for leading that Paul and as that happened I just felt the presence of the Lord come upon me it was beautiful and it's just this absolute you probably experienced this you know when you're in the presence and it's just like I just don't want to move and you feel like you'd almost fall asleep because you just feel so restful and I was singing to myself and I had a laugh afterwards, you know, I said the Bible says in Revelation that anoint your eyes with um, eye salve so you can see, and I've got oil in my eyes and I can't see a thing, and I'm like, oh, I've got to get this out of my eyes, I've got to get this out of my eyes so I can actually see. But Jesus comes, and he comes because he loves you, and he loves me, and he loves us, and he says everything's okay because I love you, and I shared this yesterday, where even though Peter denied him three times, Jesus looked at him and said it's okay. I know you said this and I know you said that and I know you said you were going to do this and I know you promised me that and 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 I'm talking about myself and you didn't fulfill any one of your promises and that is okay because I love you. Not based on your behavior, not based on what you do for me, based on who I am. I love you. Can you receive that love today? Because through love, he wants to open your eyes to things that he knows that we can't see. And that's right. It's right to not be able to see things yet. Because as we mature, we get more sight. So Jesus comes to this woman because he knows she can't see and he engages into her world. And I've called this the power of the ask. Jesus is the master of asking questions. When he was in the temple... As a 12-year-old boy, the Bible says he was listening and asking questions. See the order? He wasn't asking questions and listening. He was listening and asking questions. The Bible says be slow to speak and be quick to hear. The Spirit is speaking to us quick to hear Jesus the spirit of God is here to bring revelation for he loves us for he wants us to know the mysteries he said my disciples it's been granted or given to you to know my father's mysteries I bring it with me I am the embodiment of it and I teach it that you too could be the embodiment of it That the kingdom of God can be established within your hearts and your minds, that you would demonstrate my wisdom upon the earth. Because wisdom is made right by her ability to demonstrate something. In its ultimate maturest form, that's what wisdom is. It's the demonstration of what you know lived out. Wisdom can be what you know. It can be an understanding of a principle. I'm not saying it's not that, but in its ultimate fulfillment of its maturest form, Jesus was the wisdom of God. And he demonstrated God, didn't he? So our role as the church, to come into that wisdom, that our lives would literally be the wisdom of God lived upon the earth. Do you know that is fully possible? When you are abiding in Christ and Christ is abiding fully in you. Now our challenge is Christ can be abiding in us, but we cannot be abiding in him. We can be abiding in everything else. We can be abiding in someone else. We can be abiding in our mindsets and our thoughts. We can be abiding in everything but Christ, even though he's abiding in us. Why? Because Jesus comes to start a work to bring us to this fulfillment of his work called maturity. So the Holy Spirit is here today. He's waiting. He's always here. He's always here, and he waits. Sometimes we say, come, Holy Spirit. He says, I'm here. I got here before you did. <laughs> I've been inviting you. You think you've been inviting me, but actually I've been inviting you. I save. I do the things. You didn't love me. I loved you. So right here, Jesus comes to this woman. He says, hey, lady, give me a drink. He engages. He's engaging where she's at. That's what I love about him. He comes and he engages where you're at. And he can engage on high and he can engage on low and he can engage somewhere in the middle. To everyone at every time at the same place. Because he's God. That's what makes him God. I love when people say to me, well, who created God? I say no one, because if someone created God, then he wouldn't be God. The thing that makes him God is that no one created him. Think about it. That's what qualifies him as God, that no one made him. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So then she retorts this question back to him because she's struggling to understand why he would come to her. In the physical, he's, she's struggling why you a Jew and a man are engaging with me, a woman. Do you sometimes think why he wants to come and hang out with you? Do you sometimes resist that? Maybe because of what you're doing, what you've done, what you're about to do who you think you are, not what you are, because you think you're not good enough and he just comes he said I don't give a rip about that stuff he said I'll tidy it all up stop taking yourself out of a relationship that I've come for I cleansed your sin, I wiped it clean, I've made it new, I won the battle I defeated the enemy I made the way I'm the forerunner Come behind me and let's walk together. Come beside me. And this is this invitation he's bringing to this woman. But at this point in time, she doesn't know this because she's blind to a reality that stands right in front of her. That can be me. I can be blind to a reality that's right in front of me. Show us the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I'm right in front of you, Jesus said. To which Philip answered, Show us the Father. To which Jesus was probably going, Okay, he didn't hear me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I'm right in front of you. And I touch you, Philip. And you can touch me. And we can shake hands. I'm tangible. I'm real. I'm manifested right in front of you. You can touch me, see me. And Philip's going, no, no, show us the Father. What couldn't Philip do? See. Why couldn't he see? Because he hadn't yet been able to hear the word that was standing in front of him. Faith comes through the ability to hear the word. Jesus is the word. So she asks a question, and she's speaking from her mindset, going, this doesn't add up to me. Then Jesus says these powerful words in verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I'm going to read that again. If you knew. What did I say believing was? Not a mental understanding. A living conviction. A knowing. So if you knew. If you had a living conviction, lady. If you knew the gift of God. And who it is. Who says to you. Give me a drink. You would have asked him. And he would have given it. Here's the challenge. You don't ask for what you don't know exists. So because you don't know it exists, you're not asking for it. This woman does not know what's on offer. She thinks physical, natural, all the way. Her whole mindset is related to living... uh, like water, physical water, and drinking physical water. But there's this guy called Jesus who turns up into her world, who knocks on her door. And he's taking the time to do this while his disciples are away looking for food. He's actually going to engage in the food of his father while they're looking for natural food. He says that later on when they come back. And they look at him and say, who, who whipped out to McDonald's and got him a cheeseburger? He says, My food is to do the will of my Father who sent me. And he has sent me to reach people. What for? Just to save them? No, to bring them back to glory. For my people have fallen out of glory. And I want my glory to return into the church. The perfect standard. The position of one, I want my glory, Ephesians 3.20, to fill the church, not a building in the sense, at the same time, he wants to come and fill this building with his glory. He wants the house, the house, the temple filled with his glory. He wants the house, and he wants this physical house. So when people walk in to the glory of God with the glory of God, what do you think would happen? People get healed in the glory. People get changed in the glory. People, the lost get found. Demonic presences come out. The flesh can't stand it. Perfection, holiness. And Jesus, the one who is holy, comes to engage into a lady's life so she could know this reality. And he says, if you knew who I was and what I bring, you would ask the power of the... Ask, can you see the difference between the Matthew 15 lady? She's going after because she knows. If you knew, she knew. See, the whole posture is completely different, isn't it? And it's not that the John 4 woman is, is, is worse off than the Matthew 15 in the sense of they're both Gentiles. One just knows something and the other one doesn't yet know. But the Father who loves us sends his Son to lead us into what we can know. So what an opportunity we have to ask. But what you don't know exists, you don't ask for. So God has to send people to speak of reality that they've come into through asking for one another can you see how your business is my business and my business is your business and we can't keep this individualistic thing going and we have to truly understand who we are in Christ and the gifts on every one of us so he can truly build us in accordance to his way. Otherwise, if we're outside the way, the building pattern, we won't be built, which means we can't have the life he's come to give us. And so he sent his son and he sends people. So when you hear, the guys yesterday heard about a power that I received in 1997 that has never left, that continues to define my walking out, my relationship, and it's just got stronger and stronger and stronger. It's gone from strength to strength. I can feel it now within me. It's a tangible feeling, and I saw some people looking at me with like sources for eyes, <laughs> and that's good they're hearing of something that they're going, you know what, I haven't yet received that, but. And in our debrief group, one of the persons that was awesome said to me, I know I haven't yet received that power of what you're talking about, but I'm content with where I'm at and I'm hungry to go after it. That is the perfect answer. Here's the wrong answer. I know I'm not in it. And, and, and I feel like pathetic now compared to what you've received. And I think I just you know, walk over here and just sort of hide over here in the corner. And, and I actually, eventually, I, I might walk away because everyone else seems to be getting it and, and, and I'm not getting it. And, and, and so, um, yeah, I, I just feel shamed and, and I feel small. So I'll just sneak out the back door. And that body just lost a warrior, that body just lost a soldier. That body just lost a brother or a sister. Why? Because we didn't have ears to hear it the way God wanted us to hear it. And we heard it through a filter of inferiority. That's the other thing we prayed off people yesterday. But the person didn't do that. They said, I recognize. You know, self-awareness is good. It really is healthy to truly know where you're at in God and also just as a person can be one of the hardest things though, can't it? Hence we need one another to speak to us our blind spots. Yeah, blind spots. Things that you can't see. And this person said, I love this, Mike Huey gave me this, we need to be discontently content. (laughs) So you need to be content with where you're at. Why? Because you're a child of God. You're a child of God, redeemed, but you're discreetly content and you want to grow because you've got the power of the ask to ask for more. And the father's going, how much do you want? But there is a way in which it happens. There is a heart posture in which the way you ask. I can't pour out my blessing if the heart motive is impure, not because I'm a bad father, but that would destroy you. And I love you so much to destroy you. If I gave you that, what you're asking for, it would crush you and it would crush others around you. So I need you to come into my way, son, so I can fully release what I'm looking for. He says, ask, but ask with the right motive. And so here's this reality being outplayed here with this woman. Give me a drink. Jesus and he said, you would have asked and I would have given it to you. She said to him in verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Another good question. You see, she's grappling and wrestling with Jesus. Who else is to do that? We have to grapple with what we hear. If we're not grappling with what we're hearing, then we're not going to grow. See, if we keep coming week in, week out, and nothing's changing, if we're not actually going after what we're hearing, because it's possibly outside of our reality, how are you going to grow? Jacob wrestled with God, and what did he get out of that? A new name. A new identity a repositioning. He was so far living from himself and the flesh. He was a deceiver. He was a conniver. He manipulated situations for his own good. Then all of a sudden, God says, you're my chosen one, you manipulator. (laughs) Isn't it cool that our behavior doesn't stop what already has been written and spoken in the heavens? See, we're all like that. We're all messed up and God wants to Give us a brand new life. So he comes. He says, come on, man, let's wrestle. Lily, when she was five, she'd say, come on, Dad, let's whistle. Let's whistle. She couldn't quite get the R. Ah, Just to crack me up. She was a great wrestler, and Maddie. And they get on our couch. I don't know if you've ever seen that WWE stuff. You know, like the guys on the top of the rings, and they're on our couch. And I'm down there like, yeah. They're like jumping with their knees coming from at you. Like, boom, and the kidney. Ooh, It's not good. Dad's getting beaten up on the floor, and everyone's body slamming dad, and the knees and the punches, and all you're doing is trying to deflect it all. You know, it's like we had a good wrestle. They loved it. They love it. Do you love wrestling with him? Jane talked about being embraced by the father through a person and what it does. Father wants to wrestle with you, he wants to bring you into a reality. And he wants to wrestle with this woman here. And she asks this great question because she's trying in her mind to comprehend what's going on. Jesus knows this, and he knows the mind isn't the place of understanding. He knows the heart is. So it's interesting, his response. So she says, where, the when do you get this water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Just a little bit. <laughs> who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Jacob was a great man of God, and he built a great well. And he put natural water in it. And natural water takes away a thirst. But then a thirst comes back. And you need to drink water, and it comes back. And it's like food. You eat, you get full, you get hungry. You eat, you're full, you're hungry. And it's the way of the physical. And Jesus is just about to come in with a word, with with an interaction, engagement that's going to shift this thing. And he says, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again, but... Don't you love these little words that mean so much? Handbrake on, but... Mm. It's like, so that. There's something coming. But. What's the but? Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. What a promise. The water I give you will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him or her. So this water that I give, you'll never thirst, and it's going to become in you a well of water springing up to eternal life. Wow. So there is a source that never runs dry in Christ. He is the gift. He is the living water. Once again, he didn't feed 5,000 people just purely to feed them, the physical. He fed them because he had compassion for them because he's the God of love. But ultimately, at the same time, he was trying to draw them to himself and say, I am the resource. You know what they said? Show us another miracle so we'll believe. That's where I spoke from this morning. The first work of God is to believe. What? He is your food source for life. Do you believe it or are you still looking for physical food and physical things to fulfill you? I am the bread of life. I am the water. I do the signs and wonders to lead you to myself. And problem with us is we make it all about signs and wonders and we wonder why we're not still in life because we've missed the whole point of the sign and the wonder. He is the sign, he is the wonder. And in that we miss him and we focus on the miracle. Is the miracle wrong? No, it's an act of love. But it wasn't the main priority of God. He did it to draw us to God. And we end up worshipping the work, not the word. And where do you find the life I'm talking about? In the word, not the miracle. You can receive a miracle and not literally be changed on the inside of you. You can, have your, you can be healed of cancer, you can have a broken arm healed, you can have a leg extended, you can have everything in the physical, but if the miracle doesn't happen in your heart, you will stay the same. And you will be thankful for the miracle and you'll praise Him for the miracle, but it may not lead you to the one of the miracle. And sometimes we care more about the gifts than the giver of the gift. And we have to have both, but they have a way, they have, a, they have a, an order, they have a functioning order, a ranking in which they flow. We need to learn this as his church, and he's bringing this to light where he steps in front of the woman. And then it shifts, and this is really powerful. Okay, So think about that. What is the source of your life? Who is the source of your life? Where do you go to find life? Do you go to the physical, or do you go to the spiritual? Is your foundation built on the physical, or is it built on the temp- oh, sorry, the, the eternal? Is it built on another person? Is it built on yourself? Is it built on your career? Your ability to make money, your voice, your talent, your children, all physical things, all blessings from heaven, but you don't build your life on them. Okay? This is what he's about to address right now with this woman, because this woman has been building her life not on the rock, but on the physical, which means she's not coming into the life of Christ because her foundation is wrong. And he's come to break something off her. He identifies something in her that needs to shift. And there's another character that's coming to my mind right now called the rich young ruler. So bear that in mind as I share about this woman. Because this woman does something the rich young ruler doesn't do. When the true heart issue is addressed. So once again, you've got Matthew 15. Lady great faith seeing in a realm heard obviously promises and she comes straight into the throne of grace and says Jesus you're my master I'm after this I know you can do it because I know who you are and I bow down low for I have come into humility because I have great faith and I position myself because I know in the physical this shouldn't happen but I've got this kingdom in me that makes me this humble woman. And he looks and he goes, wow. Wow. Even Jesus was captured by her. You have this woman, okay? And Jesus comes to her. Why? Because he loves her. He died for her. He saw her before she saw herself. He named her before she even knew her name. You are more than a Samaritan woman. You are more than a Gentile. You are royalty. You are priesthood before the foundation of the earth. God would say that to every one of you that's in Christ today. I saw you before you ever were. I named you before you ever got named by your parents. You are mine. I am yours. You are in me. And I want to reveal my fullness so you can live from my intent. Then this happens. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will never be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. So now she's she's hearing something. Okay, she's she's been hearing from a physical but uh, something, man. There's like these words. There's these words, and, and he's talking about water, and, and I don't get it, but I'm, you know, well, give me. Can you see the transition? Here's what Jesus then says. He said to her, go call your husband and come here. No, hold on a minute. I'm asking you for water. Yeah, I heard. I want you to go get your husband. No, no, no. Now you're not hearing me, Jesus. Yeah, I hear you. I see you. No, no. You've been talking about water. We're not talking about my husband. We're talking about water. Water. I want the water you've gone off. I said, I know you do. But there's something that has to be addressed first. For you to receive, we've got to address something, and I call it out today. You see, he ripped the rich young ruler, and he said he looked intently at him. He looked intently at him. And he loved him. He's loved me into submission. I said that last week. He's loved this stiff-necked idiot into submission. I fought, I kicked, I screamed, I tried to deflect, I tried to use him, manipulate him. And he is still there, waiting for that immaturity to run out. He's saying to this woman, there's some things we need to deal with first in your heart. Because you're looking for this thing in all the wrong places. But today is the day that I turn up from heaven to give you the real deal. She says this. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. Let's be honest with him. He loves it. He knows it. He's looking straight into her heart. He knows her life. He knows her story. He knows why she's been with all these men. He knows the issues of the heart. We don't. He does. He knows why we're so messed up at times. Man, we are so complicated. He knows the intricacies. He knows when hurts come in that you don't know. He knows when things happen to you, when tags got happened. He knows all the things of you. So when we're honest and when we're real and when we're humble and when we're transparent, it gives him room to move because he won't push in. So he speaks of a reality in a realm, but he will not push in. He's lovely like that. He's beautiful. We do let me tell you what's wrong with you. (laughs) He's like, no, don't do that. My job. Unless I lead that. And then do it in love and respect and gentleness. So he's about to address what's holding her back. Where does sight come from? It comes from the heart, yeah? So what's in your heart can entangle you out of sight. And it can harden you from hearing. Hurt does that. Hardens the heart. Makes it hard. Brittle. You can have a hard wineskin that can't receive the new mama, the new wine, because you've got hurt or m- disappointment or something didn't happen, rightly or wrongly. And so it's now hard to hear. It's hard to see. So he has to come do a work deep within the hearts of us and this lady remember he does it because he loves us the woman said to him sir i perceive that you are a prophet our fathers worshiped in this mountain and you people say that in jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship jesus said to her woman believe me you start seeing this word believe everywhere An hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. He says these words, you worship what you do not know. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Do you know it's possible to worship a God that you don't really know? You know about but you don't really know him in a way that sets you ablaze he wants to change that he wants you to know him in such an intimate way that your whole life is completely engulfed in him and he in you not one single person can compare or come close to the love of heaven not one I don't care how cute the kid is how beautiful the lady is how gorgeous the man is George Clooney in person. (laughs) No one can compete with the Father if we know the Father. Because that love is so intoxicating and purifying and building and rich. It just literally fills you like liquid love and you just want to hold him and live for him and lay your life down for him. You no longer exist without that life. Let's get out of here, Jack. Without God, that's my reality. If I don't know him, I am I want to get out of here. He makes everything make sense. And without God, this life is pointless. But with God, life has meaning and purpose. This earth is perishing, church. It is going. I hope you're not attached to it. I hope you're anchored to the real foundation called Jesus Christ and that you just don't come and worship a God you know about, but you know of. For he has come to say, know me. Life is but rubbish compared to what I now know Paul said. Through the what, though? The power of the resurrection that rose Jesus from the grave is that same power that brought Paul into this knowledge not his study of the law, not his study under Gamaliel, a man, but coming under the anointing and the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he received a revelation of the Word that brought him fully into this life, that he started a journey that matured, where then he said, "I am so mature, imitate me as I imitate the Christ." That's a knowledge I want, do you?" And this is what he's saying, lady, you worship something you have no clue about really, but that's okay. You see, if you're not here, you can't receive. So that's okay. But then he makes this statement, an hour is coming and now is. Why do we say tomorrow when today is the day? I'll get round to that seeking you, asking you this afternoon but this afternoon never comes because something else fills the space I'll get up early tomorrow morning but I have a late night had one more beer than I should have (laughs) so I overslept today is the day lady. She's saying a time is coming. He says it's now. When the true worshippers. true worshippers. Will worship the father in spirit. And truth. For such people. The father seeks to be his worshippers. True worshippers. Worship in spirit and truth. For such people. The Father seeks to be His worshippers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. God is defining the way in which this water, this life comes. Do you know you can try and worship God in flesh and truth? You can be in spirit and flesh. But it's spirit and truth. One precedes the other. Ultimately, it's the position of one because it's the spirit of truth. See, the power of one to set the captive free is massive. So like we've been talking about, this woman was a woman of the spirit. Where is faith found? In the physical or in the spiritual? Spiritual. So God is saying... I have come to lead a people, to build a people who are true worshippers. Does that mean, Father, we can be false worshippers and worship you in a way that we think we're worshipping you and not? Yes. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean you're a sinner. You just haven't yet had your eyes open to the reality of what you what you're doing. Huh. Do you know who he spoke to about that nine years ago? Greg, I want to show you how I build my church. I know you think you know and I know your life is aligned to the way you think but that's not how I do it. So let me show you how I do it so you can not only come into my life but the people can also receive my life and be in the right way, not the false way. Who is the thief in John 10.10? Wrong. Any other answers? Sorry, I didn't mean it like that, Alice. Our mindset. What we've been taught is the thief is Satan. It's a false teacher. Do you know who can be a false teacher? What does it mean to be a false teacher? It means to teach something you think is God that's not God. And it's a false way. That whole passage is around leading people into the life of Christ, doesn't it? Christ is the gate. He is the pen. And the false teacher, the thief, who comes to steal, come and destroy, is tr- who is, can be as a follower, is trying to lead people around Christ into the life of the pen. It's through the way that deception is. That now puts a whole different spin on it, doesn't it? Well, now we can't blame Satan when it's us, Possibly. Hence, he says, only speak what I've revealed to you because it's on the revelation of the Spirit, 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 and truth, Spirit and truth, Spirit and truth. Not your version, not what you think, not even possibly what man's taught. Unless I have revealed it to you, do not preach it because you'll be preaching your way, not mine, or someone else's way. Hence, you get that understanding. Thank you for answering. And you go, it's Satan. No, it's not. And that changes the whole context of now the Scripture. Way. Now, here's the cool thing. God looks at the heart and goes, were you intentionally, Greek, trying to lead my people astray? No. No, you weren't. So I come in love. And it was your immaturity. I want to show you my ways. I want to show you my ways. Why? So you can come into greater life, so you can lead my people into greater life, and you can all come into the way. Why? So you can all receive life. And this is what he's saying here. There are true worshipers, and they worship in spirit and truth. And those who worship in spirit and truth, it's connected to the wellspring of life. So what's the promise? Jesus is saying here, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again of the natural. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a wellspring of life. True worship is worship in spirit and truth. If you worship in spirit and truth, what do you have? The wellspring of life. False worshippers, worshiping the false way do not have a wellspring of life. They're trying to come into the wellspring of life another way. And you must be apprehended and arrested from that fleshly way to come into the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It's a person. It's not a process. It's a person. If you know the person the way, you will know the truth. You will have the person's life. There is no other way to my Father's ways but through me. We just think it's about salvation of our sin. It's way bigger than that. Where did Jesus get his way from? The Father. Where did he get the truth from? The Father. Where did he get his life from? The Father. The Father all has ordained it all. So if you try to come another way, many will come in my name. And they will say, yes, I am the Christ, and will mislead many, What from Jesus? Well, ultimately, but the way of Jesus. So Jesus promises a life from his way. He says, Those who worship me in spirit and truth will have within them the life of the spirit, which is an eternal life. He says, Lady, go get your husband. Why? Because you're not in life. Matthew 15, is she in life? So a Phoenician woman she's in great faith great life activates life he's going John 4 lady I want you to be like Matthew 15 lady go get your husband we've got an issue you know what's so awesome about this how many husbands did she have and she had a lover so she's looking for her purpose and her identity in a man She's looking for her life source, her security, her foundation, her meaning in a person. Please don't do that. Who's the seventh man on the scene? The number seven means perfection. Go get your husband. I want to marry a bride. Am I not the groom? So the husband turns up on the scene. The real husband. Not the counterfeit. Trying to find it all in physical men, but the real guy. The real husband. This woman was outside, but inside a covenant. Physically she was outside it. Spiritually she was inside it. Jesus knows it. She doesn't. He turns up and says, hey, you've been invited to a wedding ceremony. I'm the groom. Do you want to be the bride? It's just an issue at the moment. What you've got in your heart, it should be over here, sorry. (laughs) But what you've got in your heart is the wrong thing. And I've come to bring you life, and this life is going to end in a marriage covenant, but it's now. And I want to fill you and fill you with love that you would be so committed to me and devoted to me and we would be one because that's my prayer for you. Go get your guy you're with. Now the rich young ruler, when he was given the same opportunity, different context, isn't it? Same thing, no? He'd given his heart away to what? His wealth. Unfortunately, we don't know the end of the story, but Jesus looks intently at him with love and says, I see what's holding you back. And today I call it out. Give it to me. He couldn't. Not only did he walk away a broken man, I reckon it broke Jesus' heart too. But Jesus let him go. But this woman, she goes, she comes back, she talks. And God is doing this work. She says to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. That when he comes, he will declare all things to us all things 1 Corinthians 2 Paul says no eye has seen nor ear has heard has not yet entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for his church and God has given it to us meaning Paul and his group of men to bring to light through the power of the Holy Spirit what all things are for you And they have been freely given, given, not earned, not worked for, given. So if someone gives you something, what do you need to do? Receive. Jesus says, I who speak to you today am he. The Messiah's coming. He has arrived. Everything I'm saying to you, lady, is possible. You want living water? I've turned up. I've come to bring all things. Are you going to ask? But we need to deal with the issue of your heart. Because at the moment, the thing in your heart is preventing you from life. Jesus looks for a whole heart, doesn't he? Love me with He is so gracious, he is so good, he is so patient, he is so merciful, he takes what you give him. He gives all, we give him 5%. Not a great deal for him, is it? Do you know why we do that? Because we don't yet really know him. He says, ask and I'll reveal and you'll give me all. Because I'm so good. I'm so amazing. If I reveal myself in you because you ask, you will let go of the things you're holding on to. Men, women, children, possessions, money, careers, sport, passions, boats, cars, whatever you name it, religion, religiosity. You'll let go of it all and you'll grab hold of me. And you'll come into a realm of true worshippers where you worship and a true life gets birthed. She still, though, is not knowing who he really is. At this point, his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why do you speak with her? There must have been something going on. The presence of God must have been so powerful, because these guys were always putting their foot in it. Even they can recognize, hey, it's time to be quiet right now. You know, Don't ask him anything. She then says, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? She's on a process. She's on a journey. It was the Messiah. Come and see a man. Is this not the Christ? He says, I am the Christ. See, faith comes through the ability to hear. If she fully heard him, we wouldn't be having this part here in the scripture. She would say this, "I've met the Christ. Let's go and meet him." By the way, number six, he wants you to. <laughs> Let's go, boyfriend. There's some stuff he wants to do in both of us. See, faith comes to the ability to hear and understand the word. That's declared. Our challenge is Jesus can be speaking to us today and we can't hear him speak. That's okay. But what's not okay, I believe, is to stay there because you're only robbing yourself of the life he has for you. He is patient, he is gentle, he waits and he continues to wait. And the Bible says he's holding back coming because of what he has it's already upon the earth for us to come into so then it becomes about our own hearts and what we truly love can you see why he must be lord of your heart because if I have another lover I'm really not going to spend the time with the lover of my heart I will spend it with the one I truly love if that's a person it's a person if it's money it's money if it's a sport it's a sport I will be found with who I truly love where your treasure is, there the heart is. I used to think it was the other way around until I read it properly. What you truly love, there you will find your heart. Who is the true lover of your heart? It truly wants to be him, but your life will show you. Okay? You, you have to know your true state. So if you look at your true life and you look at it, your life will tell you, Who you truly love. And it's just whether you'll turn from that place or not. And you're ready to turn. He's waiting. He engages with this woman. Why? Because he wants to bring this woman into this full life. Another woman had already found it, was growing in it. The Bible says, "To who has much, give them more. To one who doesn't have, even take what he has from him. You go, is that God? Yes, that's God. He's coming back looking for some form of investment. He's going to ask you what you did with what you were given. Can you hear him? Or do you hear me? Can you hear your father speaking to you through me? See, I urge you to hear the father because if you can hear the father, this will make you move. If you're just hearing me, you'll go, yeah, yeah, You said this before. If you hear the father, the father is speaking through me saying, I'm coming to you and I love you and I want to lead you into much because there is much for you to come into for much is given, much is expected. And I'm saying to you as your father, there is coming and I'm going to look for what I gave you. What did you do with it? Did you bury it? It's not a heaven or hell thing. It's a reward thing. You're mine. You're in my family. But were you faithful? Were you obedient with what I gave you, my children? There are consequences, guys. I say this out of love. but So he comes, see? He's coming. He doesn't leave you. He didn't leave this woman. He comes. He comes. He comes. He knocks. He knocks. He knocks. But see, our hearts of their heart, if we have other lovers, we go, yeah, 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 but... Another time, another place, another time, I get round to it. Or we're so lukewarm that we're actually in a lukewarm state. We go, well, I'm okay. No, you're not. I'm not hot. I'm not cold. I don't need to change because I'm warm enough that I don't need to put more clothes on. God's like saying, lukewarm. I spit that out. This is me talking to you all. But my heart is love. My heart is that you would come into much. So I cover you with my love. But please know once again, this is not Greg, this is God. There are consequences for living a life that's not faithful. It doesn't define my love. It defines my reward. Jesus coming back with a reward for his church, to those who are faithful and obedient. And the Bible tells you this, there is loss at a judgment seat for the church. I'm not talking about the great white throne. I'm talking about the judgment seat for the church where we will all stand before Jesus Christ, God, and we will have to give an account of what you did with the life you were given. Did you give it back and let him define it? Or did you say, thank you for the gift and I'm going to define it? He lets you do both. You have the choice to do both but one has consequences. They both have consequences. Mm -hmm. But his heart is that we would all receive. How many of you are parents? How many of you want your children in the fullness of the life that you have for them? How many of you reward them for bad behavior? Do you still love them? Would it be wise to reward them for bad behavior? What would you be teaching them So you're going to get what you're teaching, correct? So why would you expect the child to behave well if they're being rewarded for bad behavior? The child learns, I act like this, I get rewarded. Sweet. In fact, they don't even know what they're doing. They think this is the way of the home. Oh, that seems to work. Okay. Is the father really any different? Now, do you know what? I'm going to sound like I'm going to contradict myself right now. He actually will bless you in your disobedience to get your attention you know what he said to me I said God why did you pour out gifts on children I look and I see Lord Lord we did healings and miracles and signs and wonders and you're gonna say away from me I never knew you Why would you give immature people gifts that they can get entangled in and end up doing stuff and actually still hear away from me? I never knew. He said, Greg, because I'm the God of faith. Ultimately, I'm God and I control all things. But I always start with a promise, believing that my people are going to follow me my way. I believe in them. He says, I believe in them. Do you believe in them the way I believe in them? I was like, no. I don't even believe in myself half the time the way you believe in me, never mind someone else. Because the evidence is overwhelming of not doing it God's way. But it didn't stop him pouring out his best on you and me. It didn't stop him pouring out Jesus on you and me. It didn't stop him pouring out gifts and saying the gift is irrevocable. Who are you? Who are you, man? Greg, you're not me, and my ways are not yours, but you can know them. And I call you up, and I call you up, and I call you up, because I believe in my church. I believe in her. So I set everything in motion because I believe they're going to follow me and my way. And then I'm going to send you son, and you're going to bring them back because that plan got a little bit messed up. So I had to introduce something called a law. That was not my heart. It's always been about relationship. But they got so lost in their own way that I have to introduce this thing called the law. But it's never going to do the job that my son's going to do. So then I send my son who completes this whole process. Then he dies and rises again. So the church can have this full life because I believe in her. And I keep coming to her. And I keep coming to her. And I keep waiting for her to respond. And then the son goes, so I have to send my Holy Spirit. So then he comes and and he waits. And he waits. And he waits. And he waits till you get to the end of your life. And you're ready to ask. Do you know that's why he's waiting? He's waiting for us all, if we haven't yet turned, to realize that the lives that we're living and holding on to and having other people as our centerpiece is a dead life and the place that we get to is a beautiful place where you realize that you've tried everything else to cause life only to realize the very thing that was given to you at the start is the thing that you need now and if he is not God and if he is not love and if he is not mercy and he's not gracious we are in trouble but he is but because we don't know that we abuse it We abuse his love. I've abused his love. You do it too. If you say you don't, I'm sorry, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. We do. Until there's a turning, there's a breaking. And now we're asking, seeking, knocking, asking. Why? Not because I'm better than anyone else. But you've tasted and seen. And now you're in a thirst that never runs dry. Food that never runs out. There's just an absolute abundance because you let the Christ come and deal with the issues of the heart you let him in, you opened up, you exposed yourself to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and says, yes, I acknowledge today I have an idol in my life or idols in my life. I have other lovers and today, Father, you've shown it to me. So I speak forth a repentance. I ask you to come and set me free through the power of the gospel to what I've heard, Father. Today, I acknowledge I see it, I acknowledge it, I confess it before you, and I ask you to forgive me and come. If this is you today, stand with me right now. If this is you right now, stand with me and let's acknowledge the idols and other lovers we have so we can come into and be true worshippers who worship in spirit and truth to the fullest measure. We can still do this because we have the Spirit with us. But God wants us in this full life. He came to bring us into a full life. Matthew 15, woman, she's in great faith. Can you say that of yourself today? Can you say you have arrived at great faith? If not, we should all be standing. There's a standard. The standard is perfection. If you're perfect, sit down and we'll all come and wash your feet. (laughs) Father, we stand before you today knowing we are loved, knowing that we have been chosen and called, knowing that we are yours and you are ours. But Father, we also acknowledge that we may have idols, lovers in our heart that we do spend more time with and we give our time to and our resource to And Father, today, forgive us. Right now, take 30 seconds to name those things in your head. You can name them out loud if you're that bold and courageous. I'd say go for it. Heaven will hear it. But do it from the heart, whatever you do. Let's just take 30 seconds and actually confess what those things are. People, money, sport, passions, whatever. Think about how much time you spend with them. Those will be the things you need to confess compared to Christ. They're not wrong. But they've got you entangled. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here to bring life and abundant life. Period. Holy Spirit, minister, minister, Father. Minister your grace. Minister your grace. Minister your grace. Minister your touch people's lives this morning, Father. Spirit of God, touch people in power. Touch them in fire. Touch them this morning, Jesus. We stand before you in humility and transparency, Father, and we have acknowledged and repented of other lovers, idols, stuff in our heart that are keeping us from you. Thank you, God, for the work of the Spirit you're doing now, the deep work, the deep work. Just put your hand on your heart for me, if you will. Father, you say the laying on of hands. And so we lay our own hand on our heart, Lord, and I pray right now you would baptize us afresh in your power. You would baptize us afresh with your fire. John the Baptist said, one is coming whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I baptize you with repentance of sin, but there is one who is coming which will baptize you with fire and power and the Spirit of God. His name is Jesus. His name is Messiah, His name is Yahweh. His name is Alpha, Omega, beginning, end. He says, I am God of the living. Holy Spirit right now with hand on heart, God, we ask you for your power. We ask you for your fire. We ask you, God, I pray you would respond to every desperate heart, every thirsty heart that wants more. A genuine cry of the heart, God, for more of you. Lord, more of you, more of you to live with you, to walk for you and with you, God, and to see your kingdom established. Father, we are people who seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, your power, your domain, your priorities, your purpose, no longer living for ourselves for life is more than food and the body is more than clothing, Father. You have come to bring us into much. You have come to bring, and I prophesy Sabbath rest today. God, I declare a Sabbath rest. Come to me and I will give you a Sabbath rest for your souls, a rest for your mind, a rest for your will, a rest for your emotions. Come to me, but you must first stop and stop striving From your own works. Trying to stay in control. Trying to define it. Only those people that stop from their works will enter this rest. So Father, I pray for a rest. An active posture of rest in our spirits. That we can be the busiest people, but we live from an active posture of rest. I prophesy rest. I prophesy what you are doing here amongst us as a church. I prophesy and speak to the bride. Lord, I thank you for the vision you gave me of seeing men and women in gowns and in suits, but men weren't necessarily in suits and women weren't necessarily in gowns. It was just an image of the bride looking up to this incredible light, Father, gathering around the groom for the groom was coming and people were ready, Father. People were ready. They were ready. They were, they'd been built. They'd got themselves ready. You said, make sure people are ready. Give them the food at the appropriate time, you said to me, Lord, which we've been doing, God, for nine years, giving people the appropriate food. What I prophesy into the vision you gave me, Father, and we have been speaking it here and speaking it here and declaring it here so open up our eyes to hear it god open up our eyes to see it and our ears to hear it and our heart to receive all that you have prepared for the church father i pray you would bring us into the realm of the kingdom you would give us eyes to see we are born again to see the kingdom but you must be born of water and spirit to enter the kingdom father i pray the kingdom would be entered into us and we would enter into it god and then there would be much fruit as we abide in the vine, as we stay connected as a branch to the vine. God, we would know love, have love, release love, know joy, have joy, release joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Father, I prophesy your truth into the church today and expect to see a return. Expect to see a crop, Father. Father, as I go to sleep, as we go and have a lie down, God, and come forth, we see this kingdom life built in front of us. We see men and women who are strong pillars of truth, strong members of the body of Christ. We speak to the spiritual priesthood. We speak to every living stone here today in the nation of Jesus, stand up and arise, God would say to you. You're on your feet, but stand up and arise for I have called you. I have chosen you for much. I have chosen you before the foundations of the earth and my word is going to do the work, people. My word will do the work. Don't try to do the work. Eat me and drink of me so you can have my life within you. Thus saith Jesus today by the power of the Holy Spirit. For he said, I am, to Paul. And Paul knew exactly what he meant. He knew the reference of I am. For he had studied the Torah, the law, and he knew. And he said, Lord, Jesus, is it you? And in a moment, as the light came, the man was humbled God sends this nobody called Ananias, who was in fear, he said, "But God, this man is killing us." God spoke to Ananias' heart, said, "Go, son, for I have called him as my chosen instrument." And Ananias overcame his fear and went and laid hands on Paul and Paul's eyes were opened through the power of the Spirit and Saul became Paul I really believe that God is in the business of giving us new names you're no longer going to be called Simon you're going to be called Peter Rodney got a new name yesterday carry the mantle of the new name He's going to be Rodney Blythe, but in the spirit, he got renamed Timothy. Ask God what name he wants to give you. In the name, in the name, in the name. He's doing a great work here, guys. I ask you to pray. I ask you to prophesy. I ask you to speak into it as one body. If you don't know or have a sense of being on the outside, grab someone and start asking questions. Be like this woman that said, this water, what on earth is this about? The power of the ask brings the life of Christ. Don't be afraid to ask. And don't be afraid of the answer because the Father will only give you what he knows, your capacity is. So don't take yourself out by thinking he's going to do something silly he won't. What he asks for, he graces. So he supplies the gracing for what he asks. He has given everything that we walk in victory. Amen.